Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry FM 101. This is my favorite corner in the world and now it can be yours too. All right, so I know you're all very excited because last episode you heard this amazing poet recite their poem and you're wondering who is this person? Who is this poet that has written such lines? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is with absolute pleasure and delight that I introduce you to Dr. Monica Iyengar. Thank you. Monica, thank you so much for being here. And I realized that this morning you had to travel from the other end of the city <laughs> to, to this place, right? Yeah, it was quite the commute. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and in Bangalore, um, more than the distance, I, I believe it is the time that it takes to get from one place to another. Of course. So, Monica, um, all our audiences have heard your poetry in the, uh, the audio podcast episode. And um, I'm sure they're all delighted, uh, you know, to meet you in person. Can we have you recite one of your poems right here, sure. right now? Sure. Uh, I'll just give you a brief background about yes. how the poem it. came about to be. So when I wrote my management satire and when the manuscript was ready to be published, my the managing editor actually told me that you should write a disclaimer to your book so that people don't take it literally. So while it was supposed to be funny and witty uh, and pretty obvious that it should not be taken literally, I was compelled to do something like this. So rather than, you know, put out a sentence or two, I thought, why not make it, you know, into a poem? So that's how this poem came about to be. And it's like a disclaimer without sounding like a disclaimer. Oh, so, okay. so here is how it goes. If you take my advice to heart, don't blame me if it falls apart. If it reminds you of someone, doesn't mean I can't have fun. I am only just like you, trying to make a buck or two. If you choose to hold me accountable, be forewarned I am not responsible. Just enjoy this ride with me. Don't ruin it with propriety. Consider this my formal disclaimer. Should you fall in love with my humor? <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was, I think, the most rhyming disclaimer that I have ever heard. I, I like that line where you said, I'm just trying to be like you. Yeah. Um, trying, trying to, to make, make a, a buck, buck or, or two. two. Yeah. So I'm guessing this has uh, something to do with it sounds like it has something to do with office politics, something at work. Yeah? Of course, yeah. So the whole book is about um, my experience as a woman in the workplace. Okay. So how things go about, you know, the daily mumbo-jumbo related to corporate culture and right. how what is leadership actually about and a funny take on all those kind of topics, you know. So, I see, yeah. I see. Okay, yeah. okay. So we've got two questions coming up next. Um, and the first one is, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience about who you are, what you do? Uh, perhaps you can also, you know, say something about your book. I, I understand that you've published a book. Yes. So feel free to promote that as well. But yeah, just let the audience know about um, the poet that you are or the person that you are. Sure. So I basically am a management professional. I have about 15 years of work experience with uh, business development, uh, marketing, operations, the works. And I... Uh, primarily have been associated with various multinationals. But during the lockdown, um, I wanted to change gears. So I took up a PhD. Um, I did my doctorate. And um, 
After that, I got into what is called scientific editing, which is uh, editorial review of scientific papers. And uh, uh, that's what I have been associated with. And uh, this book is something uh, that has been in the making for quite some time. So I used to put in bits and pieces uh, during the course of my work, you know, in all the idle time that I had. Right. And uh, I would, uh, and then somehow it all came together. I sent it to the publisher. They liked it and uh, we published the book. So that's how it came about to be. I also have a lot of academic papers, uh, sort of articles, also non-academic content also, which has been published in a few magazines and journals. So that is something that I do. So would you say that um, the contents of this book um, are closely related to your work? Um, is that why you were able to like infuse so much of you know, experience into it? Or is the book a completely different topic, a, complete, uh, a standalone um, thing from what you do? No, it's absolutely related to what I did and my experiences in the workplace. And I think anybody who's been in a, you know, nine to seven job will definitely associate with right. <laughs> <laughs> with all the things that i have written so it's my my take as a woman basically my perspective okay okay yeah, yeah. all right so so let's talk about that um for a bit here i mean not that uh, we want to dive into um you know politics or gender roles here but yeah how has it been i, I mean you've you've pursued a doctorate you've um you do some very interesting work in terms of the domain that that you work in and um, how has it been um, now that you say, you know, you, you've written about the challenges of being a woman. So as a woman in this particular industry, how has it been? What are some of the, the unique challenges that you faced? Anything worth sharing? See, I was always in sales. So it was primarily uh, a man's job. Right. I was the only woman in sales. So and uh, retail sales, corporate sales, all those kinds of things. So while I wouldn't say that I there was any discrimination per se towards me because I was always given an equal opportunity to prove myself, but uh, there were certain instances where my my abilities were questioned because I was a woman, as in, would she be able to do this? This job is not very sophisticated. It, is, it was not a particularly sophisticated job because of right. the kind of uh, um, work it entailed, you know. Right, so. Right. So those questions were always there, but uh, I won't say that I faced any particular kind of discrimination, but yes, right. there's always a perception, but I think once people get to know me, it takes care of that, but uh, I'm sure people have uh, issues in this particular. Uh, so, so you mean like once people get to um, know you and see you beyond the, uh, the gender, beyond the yeah. female and understand yeah. That you bring who I am as a person, as a then, person yeah. Right. then yeah. I think that fear or whatever is that perception gets dissipated but uh, it's always there so right. it's and, and do you feel that um, that perception is um, from this um, misunderstanding that um, has it something to do with skills or the fear that women lack the skills or the knowledge or the, or the both the I think stereotyping and patriarchy both of them put together right uh, right because I am working in India, so I think our culture and the way we look at, you know, gender roles, mm, mm. all that plays a part in uh, how you're viewed as a person. So, true, true. yes, so I think all of it put together, not just one thing. Absolutely. Um, and, in, and in your experience, do you think that there is any truth or substance to men being better at sales as such? No, I think... 
I think both men and women bring different things to the table. Yes. You yeah. cannot compare the physical aspect of it because men are obviously physically stronger. But if you're talking about the mental aspect of it, I think both bring in, I, I would not even go to saying that women are better than men or, and things like that. We are equal and we bring different things to the table and we so are competent. Sales, it's, a, it's a, like an equal playing field. Of course, of, it's right. a level playing field. I don't think sales, actually there's a chapter in my book which specifically says why women are so good at sales That's because, <laughs> because they require a lot of persuasion, you know. And right. so there, there's a funny take on that. So I mentioned and women that. are like, have a knack for like women invented emotional of... blackmail you know which ah. is which is a short form for closure right. so right. yeah so well, things I, like that i um i would love to you know read that book or this chapter in particular so yeah. that way would you tell us about the name of this book and where we might find it so the book is called uh, work hardly a cheap guide to success it's available on amazon so you can find it there all right. Yeah. Work Hardly. If you'd like to check this out, that's Work Hardly, available on Amazon. I will put the link in the description of the podcast as well. Um, thank you so much for you know sharing a, a little bit about your life, sharing thank the keys you. of your life and giving us uh, a sneak peek uh, into what you do and your experiences. Which brings me to my question. When did you first encounter poetry? Or when did you first realize that you could write poetry? Actually, I do come from a family of poets. Uh, oh, so my, okay. <laughs> my aunt is a, a published uh, Hindi uh, poet. So uh -huh. uh, she has published a book which is well recognized by the government also oh, okay. uh, of the state that she is in. So, uh, and she has also published a lot of uh, poems for children. So, and I grew up, you know, engaging with her. So maybe some part of it rubbed off. Rubbed off, right. But so uh, she used to introduce me to a lot of funny Hindi poems. So, you know, trying to teach me the language uh, while it being funny. So it's easy to remember, you know, and right. memorize. So <laughs> that was my first exposure, I would say, to poetry, both Hindi and English. English, of course, in school. But in school, it was more of, you know, rote and, you know, right. reciting it by memory and right. things like that. And I think at that time, we didn't really critically evaluate poems for what they, well, they for are, its right. worth, you know. And you didn't have that personal attachment. Yeah, and personal. we didn't, I think, have even have the, how, the ability or we were not taught how to judge a poem. So, right. Mm. So, those things were there. So, I think those were my first, uh, my first tryst with poetry. With poetry. Yeah. And, um, and when did you create or write your first poem? I think uh, some bits I have done here and there. Um, I wouldn't say they were poems, but more so catchphrases when I was at work and I had to kind of do a little marketing bit for something, mm -hmm. then a couple of lines here and there. So it was so, like a slow, gradual growth. Like yeah, I would say so. And, and uh, I think my first published poem was obviously with this book. And that's and there's another poem in my book actually, uh, which is on the epilogue. So that uh, was written prior to the poem I just recited. So a lot of my frustrations put together, you put know, together, as a yeah. as a poem uh, yeah. in, in yeah. a poetic way. Okay, yeah. that that's amazing, right? Um, awesome. Um, what is your philosophy of poetry, or what does poetry mean to you? Right? What what does it in terms of connection, in terms of how you feel about it? What is poetry to you? I think poetry, 
is generally, like you said, associated with romance and love. Right? <laughs> so while I don't want to take that away from it, I think it can be so much more Absolutely. because uh, it can be very educative. It can be a means of entertainment right. and it has this inherent ability to reach the masses, you know, especially if it's in, in, in the local language, in the vernacular language. So I think even for something educative, like, for example, asking people to take a vaccine and things mm -hmm. like that, polio for that matter, you know, you even if you see the catchphrase during that time, you know, people remember that. So I think it's a very nice way to communicate something very quickly and it has the ability to reach. And I think poetry, if it is well written, that is, if it has, um, it's culturally adept, if it can evoke emotion, and if it can capture the essence of its time, then it can be an anthem for revolution, you know. And right, uh, right. in history, uh, poetry has also been used as innuendo. Mm. And that, I think it's, it's a very great strength that poetry has because um, it can be used to communicate ideas whose time is yet to come or difficult ideas right, right. or during troubled uh, political times, if there is something that you want to communicate. Poetry is a good vehicle for that, you know. So I think poetry is so much more. You know, I, I, I love that statement that you said about innuendos and, uh, you know, political connections. And it made me think poetry is something that adds sense to sensitive topics. Yes. By, yeah. But removes the sensitivity out of yes. it and, you know, puts yes. it out there. So yes. you can talk about something that is uh, the need of the hour. Yeah. Uh, without being abrasive. Without being abrasive, without... Yeah being offensive yeah, or coming yeah. across as a, yeah. um, an ass, let's say. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay, that was, um, that was a great philosophy of poem, poetry, let's say, right? So, when was the last time that someone tried to impress you with poetry? Have, have <laughs> any, has anyone tried that, knowing that you write poetry? Unfortunately, I don't have an exciting answer for that because that has not happened to me. So, yet. 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 <laughs> So, yeah, nobody has written a poetry for me. So. Oh, well, that was unexpected, but okay. All right, then. Um, have you ever written a poem for someone? No, I wouldn't say so. I'm not romantic that way. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So poetry is not your love language. It is more about your um, expressing other yes, things. Okay. Yes. All yes. right. Okay. Are you ready for a bit of fun? A rapid fire round? Sure. Um, are you ready? So sure. you have to choose between, um, you know, the two options I give. Okay. And you can only select one as appealing as both might be. Okay. And the first thing that comes to your mind, so no thinking. Okay. Ready? Yes. Ice creams or salad? Salad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. You're all in green today. I guess that makes sense. Fight or flight? Fight. Fight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was unexpected, but you seem like a very... I don't um, believe in running away, so... Ah, uh, right. Looks can be deceiving. I mean, yeah. you come across as a very calm and composed person. Yeah, fight doesn't necessarily mean violence. Right. So. No, but even, you know, in, in the argumentative or the vocal sense, do you... Of course, I would prefer to choose to argue than, yeah, then put my point across, of course. Amazing. All right. Love or luxury? Love. All right. <laughs> well, maybe you are more romantic than you think. <laughs> Poetry or fame and money? Fame and money. Oh, why? If I might ask. Poetry is not my subject. I mean, you've given me two options. So 
All if right. you told me writing right. or fame or money, I would have chosen writing. Writing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, having the love of your life or unlimited travel for life, but solo. Having the love of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, Dr. Monica Iyengar. Monica, thank you so much. Uh, you know, for being here. It's a pleasure having you. Um, and yeah, I hope our paths cross again. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful being here. Yes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we will be back again next week with another poet, another story, another rhyme. Until then, stay tuned and do check out Monica's uh, books and her profile, the links to which I will be, you know, dropping in the comments below. You guys take care and have an amazing week. Until we meet again. <laughs>